potted down like that apparently i can't unmute you either so you're gonna have to unmute yourself um did you write them did i write what oh no i did not write them i did not write them that i thought you were gonna write them a strongly worded letter it's about to happen i mean (laughs) how can i not if i can mute somebody why can't i unmute them how does that make any goddamn sense none They've made some changes. Ooh. <laughs> I got a feeling. They're getting I got a feeling they're getting a strongly worded email. Very strongly. I've been paying these fuckers 20 bucks a month and they've taken away all of my abilities just for some fancy looking what is this? What, what the fuck is this? I don't care if I don't like this so they took away all the good stuff about this for this little design change. It looks it looks better, I guess, but it's it's completely the functionality of it has gone downhill. This is yeah. cr- learning I know. A new interface is hard. Yeah, God. <laughs> what do you know? It sucks. Okay. Um. How you doing? Good. How are you? You're 23 minutes late. Yeah, I know. If it was, I blame my doctor. I fully blame my doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a tele tele appointment, and the dude was half an hour late. How is a doctor late for a tele appointment? Yeah, I know. What is the point of appointments with these people? They're I'm never con- on time. I'm convinced he just doesn't know how to log into Zoom or whatever yeah, system they're using. I had a tele appointment today, right on time. But if if that hadn't gone thirty minutes long, I would have been right on time. Oh, you're, you're full of excuses, my friend. <laughs> Just full of it. So I, um, I finished the Darth Bane book. That was very exciting. Oh, I got questions. But yeah, um, <laughs> it is a good one. Oh, I'm reading them all. It's very but exciting. I, so I'm like, I want to know how it ranks next to the Plagueis book. No, oh, the Plagueis book is still better. Okay. Uh, but it it is really good, and I don't know. There's two more to read, so. Maybe once I read those two, that might change my views a little bit. But just as standalone books, I would take the Plagueis book over. And That's not take- said and thoroughly enjoy the Bane book, though. And the Bane book is taking taking place like a thousand years before the Plagueis book. Is that right? Uh, yeah, a thousand years uh, before uh, Star Wars Universe. They reset the years after the Battle of Yavin. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's a thousand years before that. So a thousand okay. years before the events of A New Hope. Yeah, um, that's um, just like through my like casual browsing of Wikipedia, um, it seems like the Battle of Yavin is that like 
birth of Christ point yeah. for us. It's, yeah, it's it's the resurrection of Christ. Um, yeah. But I will say this: uh, the stuff that takes although place. If I, although, if I wanted to be a shitty stand-up comic from the eighties, I'd say eighty. BC, what's going on in those 33 years between those two? Um, a whole lot of carpentry <laughs> and evangelizing would be my guess. Or maybe none of that, and it's all just a, a God, giant I wish you, I wish you had the Seinfeld <laughs> theme to start playing when I said something like that. I mean, that's something I could download if you're going to start doing bad jokes. <laughs> what's the deal with 33 AD? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it is really cool, though, because it goes down the road of how Bane instituted the rule of two. Because at this point, the Sith are very much in order like the Jedi. Uh, they're yeah. the Brotherhood of Darkness. And so it goes over um, it goes over all of that. It's very cool. And um, so is Bane a human or is yeah. he another type? Yeah, he's okay. a human. He's a human. Um, a real mountain of a man. Um, <laughs> how tall are you? Are you six four or six five? Six four. Okay, he's got you by an inch, and he's probably stronger too. Yeah, you know, no offense to your physique, but I think he lifts weights. Um, he's got a <laughs> he's got a build like Conan O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, so he's a big mountain of a man, a big hulk piece of hulking muscle, and it starts off, and he's basically um, working on these mines in a planet called Apatros, which is on the outer rim, and he, they uh, mine for coruscite out there, I believe. <laughs> I love, Sorry, all right, whatever. No, 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 I guess I love how some planets sound. <laughs> it sounds like he's mining on the Greek Isles. Yes. Yeah. He's His on Cyprus. Apatros. He's on Cyprus, yeah. <laughs> In between mining runs, he'll sit down for a nice musica and yeah. have some <laughs> some crop. Yeah. Before heading back to his hut on the foot of Mount Olympus. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he's uh, working for the Outer Rim Ore Works Company, um, which is out in the, um, they mine for cortosis, which is something that the Republic uses for weaponry um, and, and like... Um, Armor and stuff. It's a very, it's a very strong substance, and it, it can actually like strong enough to deflect a lightsaber at certain angles and stuff. So, and see, so like uh, that's all I'm asking for is just a little bit of effort when it comes to naming things that don't exist. Like yeah. when it comes to Avatar and saying unobtainium, it's like you're not even trying. Like, come on, g- give me something. Well, the cool thing is, I mean, if we want to go back to the Plagueis book. Um, the first chapter, it's Plagueis and Tenebris, and they're on a planet, planet, I forget what the name of the planet is called, but, um, they are actually like getting some cortosis ore. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, and there's just a lot of shit, uh, when I think about it, like, and I watch this episode, for example, today, there's stuff that I took from the Plagueis book that I can reference in here and then I'm going to bring up. So, See? um, yep. It all starts to come together. Oh, it's all coming together. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, how, Oh, did you put the offer in on that house? So we did and got shot down right away. Oh man. <laughs> what do you do? So we went right. in, uh, Oh God, we went in 10 grand over what? and thought that would have been enough. 
But no siree, Bob. They, Someone, yep. did they give you a counter offer at least and said, hey, we got this out there? Oh, no. No, 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 no. They put it on, a mar- they put it on the market on like Thursday and they said that they were not going to look at an offer until Monday morning. So they just let those suckers roll in. And oh, like, and then they... There were open houses over the weekend. So I'm sure they just, they just filtered had, us out. Like 50 offers, and then they opened them like it was fucking Christmas and took the yeah. best one. Yeah, Fascinating absolutely. Stuff. Fascinating well, stuff. The other thing, too, is like, because <laughs> we've been like researching a little bit and talking to people that have gone through this process, and certain people are like, oh, um... Like you should write a you should write a letter so the buyer or the sellers know who's buying the house, and so like we ran that by a real estate agent, and he was like, "So they bought this house in 2019, and they just put in a brand new kitchen." Um, I just got a gut feeling they're not going to read your letter. <laughs> We're like, okay, that so makes they're just flipping it basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're buying it from somebody who's owned it for 40 years and they're retiring to something smaller. So eh, a little different, I guess. Um, Well, that's too bad. I don't know. That's just kind of the way it is. Who's buying these fucking things, though? It's not like millennials. They're really buying houses. Who's buying? I know. I know. Is it Gen X? Who is it? (laughs) I'm just going to blame the Saudis for all of this. (laughs) What's the name of that? What's the name of the city they're trying to create? Namla. Namla. Oh God! The, like <laughs> special city, <laughs> the hundred mile city that's all built on one railroad line. And they're gonna have. He wants to put in like a fake moon that's gonna be just massive. They're oh, answering God. the question: What, like, what would happen if you gave a seven year old an unlimited amount of money? Like, yeah, that's what's happening in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> he wants the guy literally wants animatronic dinosaurs in his super city. <laughs> Like, so I went through every once in a while, I'll go through like my mom will get rid of a bunch of shit and I'll open up a bin and it'll be a bunch of like crappy artwork and projects that she saved for from when I was in elementary school. And there's like one thing I've come across a couple of times and it was like my fourth grade teacher was like, everybody's going to design their own tree house in that tree house. It can have anything you want it to have. And I remember in fourth grade being like, oh, this is where I'm, this is, this is where I'm going to shine. And I had like put in a roller coaster and like, like a bunch of crazy shit like that. That's what I feel like uh, he's doing. He being Mohammed bin Salman. Yes. The, uh, the crown prince of Saudi MBS Arabia. is like me in fourth grade going to town on his dream treehouse. Yeah, so I just looked it up. The the city was called Neom. Neom. Um, and basically, if you haven't heard of it, he <laughs> it's it's near the Red Sea, I believe. It's still in the works, right? I mean, yeah, but it's not gonna happen. But basically, what he wants to do is he's taking like this plot of land and he just wants to build this massive futuristic city there. Like he literally thinks he's gonna have flying cars there. Yeah. Like this person this is what happens when you you know, you interbreed with people in your family for 300 years. Oh, Tom, they they live in a city where they built land out of the sea in the shape of whatever shape they wanted it to be. So I can't really blame the guy for thinking that maybe <laughs> we'll get a flight. I wish I had that quote. I wish I had 
remember when I read that book, like, I don't know, probably like close to a year ago now, and it was about the uh, U.S.-Saudi relations and the oil trade? <laughs> yes. And I sent you that that little excerpt where it talked about, like, <laughs> yeah. the king. The guy shitting his pants. Yeah, the guy <laughs> shit his pants. It's like... <laughs> Anyways, oh, God. It's laughable. Like, if you ever just look into the Saudi relations with us, it's just... What was the name of that book? God. Um... Sleeping with the devil or something yeah. is it's he was an ex CIA agent, so he's got a whole lot of inside information that he goes into. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just hilarious. Like, Saudi Arabia is probably one of the most oppressive countries in the world, <laughs> yeah, and we don't even bat a fucking eye at it. <laughs> no, nope. but hey, you know, so. Next time somebody posts something about the Uyghur Muslims, which is a travesty, by the way, in China. But the next time you see one of your chud uncles posting about that, ask them how they feel about Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I'm sure they don't have any fucking opinions on it. Anyways. Wow. <laughs> We're going to be is canceled a, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think what I'm saying is controversial at all. And I'm sure most people that are any awareness of the situation <laughs> with that country. We're going to get a visit from the member of the Bush family. <laughs> I heard you don't like our oil reserves. <laughs> Man, but seriously, come on. Do we really? Like, that should be enough for people to want to get off fucking oil and just See, get on, why, move on with renewable is, energy. This is why we need a separate podcast for this kind of talk, because we're 13 minutes into this episode. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I'm complaining about international relations. Of our Star Wars podcast, and we haven't touched on it yet. Well, it's really it really is a travesty. I mean, no, it's, I, it's, oh, it's, I'm, I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm just saying it's like, it needs oh, more, more time we're supposed than to, we're able to give to it. We're supposed to praise them when they say they're going to let women drive by the year 2046 or something. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> MBS is woke. Yeah, he's really woke. He really came in there with some fury to get things changed, didn't he? Until that <laughs> reporter said something mean about him and then ended up dead. Remember that? Or, How that just completely got Khashoggi. swept under the rug? Oh, God. Yeah, just Google ah! Khashoggi. And well, then... I'm sure they remember. It's all people talked about for a week, and then we suddenly <laughs> forgot about it because Trump farted or something. You know, like, God, what the fuck? All right, anyways. <laughs> this is another Noodles and Company-esque episode. Let's just, I, can we really not hold our attention for any longer than a day? Yeah, everybody's got ADD. Okay, let's just get in this episode. I'm getting pissed now. I enjoyed the episode. I'm getting pissed. Should we get? Into I it? know. That's why I'm trying to get you off of this rail line and get yeah, you out of the new one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Get off oil. We don't need oil. We need to get. All right. Sorry. I was trying. I was trying to make a song out of it. Yeah, man, suddenly I'm all for the Keystone Pipeline. I mean, if we... No, I'm just kidding. All right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, man. What do we got for an episode this week, Adam? We have Holocron Heist. Woo! When did that one come out? This is season two, episode one. We're, we are turning a page. Yeah, Brand we have fast forward. We've, we fast forward like six months, seven months. Yeah. Uh, we're this originally aired on October second, two thousand nine, and you know what that means. Be All right.
right. Your so, favorite new segment. Yeah. Maybe I should just start every <laughs> I should just start every episode with a time warp and that will put me in a good like state of mind. Well, it's a good reset. How did I end up talking about Saudi Arabian oil? I have no idea. Oh, because of his fantasy world, his neom. (laughs) (laughs) With his animatronic dinosaurs. The guy's literally trying to create fucking Jurassic Park. Um, If it it could happen, I'm on board with it. That sounds awesome. I mean, if somebody wants to pay for me to go there, I'm sure if he hears this, though, I won't make it out of there alive. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) American tourist who is critical of MBS on podcast with 20 downloads goes missing in Neom. Um, Okay, so we got now. I was really upset when I looked at my time warp because we have a new number one movie, obviously. We're six months, oh, seven months. Blart's out of it, isn't he? Yeah, and it goes up to like number 50 on the, on the but Blart wasn't even in the top 50. So basically, we're going to have to wait until we go back and watch that one episode at the end of season oh, one. Oh, yeah, that that's right. I hadn't even considered since the time warp, we yeah. haven't really done any like mixing up of the episodes. No. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, so we get to go back, and when we go back, we will be having a special Blart cast. I mean, we're going to really dive deep into Blart for at least 30 seconds. Um, But do you want to guess? I mean, we're completely in the dark here. Do you want to guess what the number one movie in America was for the weekend of October 2nd, 2009? Bill Murray makes a cameo, uh, a very famous cameo appearance in it. Is it... A Garfield 3D animated movie? No, I wish. okay. Then, then is it Zombieland? Yep, you got it. Zombieland, right. number one movie in America. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Zombieland. It's good enough. I'm not it's really still, big on the whole zombie thing, to be honest. Well, I've like from everything I've heard, I know I enjoy it. Still, have never seen it. Um. It's, yeah, you know, why don't you rent it for like three bucks online? I know, when you're I know, I mean to. And it, the other thing, so I have an interesting relationship with Woody Harrelson too, where it's like, I for the longest time I've thought I don't like him, but then everything that that guy is in, like I'll watch and at the end of it be like, God damn, Woody Harrelson is good in that. Yes, and for the kids, if you don't know who Woody Harrelson is, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Hamish. It's Hamish from them damn Hunger Games. Um, but well, yeah, even Woody Harrelson, so I kind of enjoy him. Like I never really think of him, but then when I see him in something, I'm like, oh, he's good. That's exactly yeah. what I'm going through. And so, like tying it back to Star Wars, when I walked out of Solo, I I was very satisfied. I was like, that that's a good movie. It's not nothing. It's not anything to like blow my mind yeah, right. He's solid. it was fine it was good i had a, a good time for two hours and woody harrelson was fucking amazing in that thing yeah solo is a good movie i don't care what anybody says i think it's a good movie and yeah. woody harrelson was good in it but i forgot he was even in it you don't even think about it, it got woody a harrelson rat. is the guy that just shows up and you're like oh he was good but you don't really think about it you know it's interesting it's yeah woody harrelson found it. i think woody harrelson should run for mayor of neom <laughs> like he i think he would bring a calming presence um is he gonna get shot into the sun by mbs though for smoking weed probably probably yeah probably um also uh we have a new number one song in america florida has been dethroned after seven oh, months no. shocking um why don't you go ahead and give a wager uh it's a famous hip-hop pop group they got one clue one clue besides just genre 
guess. Give me something uh, like like uh, you do to me the, the Palpatine torture. Why don't you just ask me a question? I'll answer it. Okay. Um, let me see here. Have they have they performed on Saturday Night Live at this point? I'm assuming they have. Okay. <clears throat> I would be shocked if they had not performed on Saturday Night Live at this point. Um. <sighs> Is it something by the Black Eyed Peas? Yep. Is it the song that you open this episode with? Yeah! <laughs> You're two for two. <laughs> I was gonna trick you. I was gonna play it again That's and be like, good right, stuff. "Oh, it's a good one." That's good stuff. Do you know? And so, as much as I hated the song when it came out, and then it kind of grew on me a little bit. Do you know what version of it is the greatest thing I've ever heard? Um, uh, if you look up on YouTube, you can find Jeff Tweedy of Wilco doing a cover of this, just solo and acoustically, and it's fucking amazing. The great thing about like 2005 to 2009, 10, was the acoustic covers of rap songs. <laughs> yes! If that you're listening to so this, do yourself a favor and look up Obadiah Parker, Hey Ya. It oh is my a good god, one. I completely Remember forgot that? about that guy. We loved that. That was on repeat for like oh, a yeah. couple of summers. Yeah, that's your Spotify top 100 for sure. Before that was a thing. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good... That was kind of this weird era when YouTube was starting to come around and you'd get all these interesting covers and it was just a new age. Although, it was a new age. Well, the, uh, the Jeff Tweedy cover, I think he's doing some like rally in Chicago for at that time the candidate for mayor Rahm Emanuel oh, so, what he's a choice. Like, so he's plugging Rahm Emanuel in the intro to the song like oh. mayor Emanuel like it's a pleasure <laughs> like, hindsight being 2020 oh boy oh Jeff uh, yeah didn't he cover up murders <laughs> yes he did Hey, in hey, in his defense, it was an election year. So, hey, uh, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to hold on to that power, right? <laughs> That's something General Kenobi would never approve of. Never anyway, approve of it. Holocron heist. Uh, hey, you know what? That Rahm Emanuel, he should run for mayor of Neom. All right. Um. <laughs> I could talk about politics for hours. I'm just yeah. trying to spare everyone and get it back. Rahm Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel, the hard line uh, versus Woody Harrelson, the the lib coming in there, the neon race for neon race for mayor. <laughs> it's gonna be very exciting in in the year of our Lord twenty one thirty eight when neon gets underway, right? Twenty one. Yeah. Now nah, I think even let's go let's go twenty one seventy eight. Twenty one seventy eight is my prediction. So we won't be here to see neon, but no, I'm sure that'll be as. So I'm sure MBS would be kept alive by some sort of machine by then, but you know. So when we're on the final season of Rebels doing this podcast, we can do it from the train in Neon. Very exciting. All right. Um, enough Neon talk. Should we get into this? Let's do it. Okay. So we got some Jedi trapped on the planet of Fallujah. We saw Fallujah briefly. That's where Ayla Sakura dies in Revenge of the Sith, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so they we got some Jedi. They, they jump back and forth to that planet quite a bit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, we got Anakin, 
Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, they're trapped on Fallujah, um, but they got some gunships coming in to rescue them. Um, Plo Koon, we get a quick... There's a lot of Jedi in this episode. Just little, yeah, there are. Not that they're... not. There's only a few that play a big role, but they, they throw a lot of Jedis at you, which is cool. That's we get a quick it, scene. It took me so long to research this thing, because it's like... It's so... It very much feels like a season premiere. Yeah. <laughs> like they're throwing a lot at you very quickly. And I had a lot to look up. So yes. I I still had some research to do, but there were a lot of new characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically they're trapped there. They're getting overrun. Um, some gunships are coming to rescue them. There's a uh, Republic forces coming to get them out of there. Uh, but they got to break through a blockade first. So we get a quick scene of Plo Koon in a fighter with some clones. Um, and he's absolutely beasting in his fighter, taking out a whole shit ton Koon of fighter Plo is the shit. Yeah. Like, I went... man can fly. I went, admittedly, like, over the fucking top in the other episode when I was talking about Plo, T- Plo Koon. I did well, not do him enough justice based on just the first two minutes of this episode. Yeah. Um, it's a really quick scene with Plo Koon. That's all you see from him, but he does play a pivotal role in this opening scene of breaking through <laughs> this blockade. It is kind of a bummer that like he's being such a badass in the fighter that he is going to be shot down. Yeah. <laughs> it really is too bad. Uh, but he's still got some time. We still got some time with him. We'll get yeah. some episodes. Um, so uh, the gunships break through thanks to Plo Koon and the other pilots. The clones help. Um, and the Star Destroyers are taking on a bunch of the Separatist fleet. So gunships get through. Uh, we get down onto the planet's surface of Fallujah. We got Anakin and Obi-Wan. They're fighting off waves of droids. Um, Obi-Wan quick saves Anakin, who wasn't paying attention because a fighter droid almost crashes into him. Um, I was kind of hoping Obi-Wan would just let him get hit. But we all know <laughs> that that's not the case. Because we have seen everything but this. Anyways, um, so Rex orders the troops to bail as soon as these gunship fighters land. Um, then Anakin's like, hey, where the heck's Ahsoka? She should be back by now. Apparently she was out in the jungle of Fallujah. Um, Obi-Wan hails her as they're getting into the gunship to escape. And she is fighting off some droids and doesn't want to leave. She believes that she has the upper hand on this wave of droids and is pushing them back. Um, Obi-Wan says, hey, you're about to be overrun. Um, trust me, we we were just getting overrun here. They're coming for you now. Um as soon as we get there, you have to leave. Like you're putting, um, you're putting your 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 clones, your your troops' lives in danger, and your life in danger. Um, but she pushes back. She really doesn't want to leave. Like she really thinks that she's taken to these droids, and she kind of is at the time. Yeah. I mean, she's ripping it up. She thinks she's got it in the bag. Yeah, and, and it's really cool because she's standing on one of our walkers, and she's yep. just like deflecting shit. Like, well, crazy. actually, so she's not on a walker. She's on one of the. Uh... The juggernaut things. So it's a, it's a wheeled. It's one of the big wheeled tanks okay. that the Republic was using. Um, yeah, but and so, and I know that you appreciate she's doing her backward-handed lightsaber routine. I mean, she's absolutely beasting here. Like it, yeah. it's cool. It's a really cool opening scene. Um, the with the space battle is really cool with the quick plocoon stuff, and now the battle down here really well animated, and you can see the animation growing. From just I was just going to say, like, we, like, it was seconds into this. And it's like, oh, shit. You could tell that they, like, took a break. And this is a brand yeah. new season. And they absolutely just reassessed what they wanted to do. It is a few notches up from yeah. what we left that off being said, in season when, one. 
when we get the quick first scene of Anakin and Obi-Wan deflecting blaster shots, it looks very robotic and poor. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, but, and so the thing, the thing about the animation, so like it will get good, but it'll get good based on the fact that they're still 3D animated. So like yeah. their hair and their eyebrows will still look like fondant, like that thing that they make cakes out of. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, it'll look boss. really good. It'll look like a scene could be constructed from the cake boss. Yeah, but, Star Wars. Star Wars the cake boss. That's what this But is. it will look exactly like fondant. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, I don't really have I don't have that. a problem with the animation style at all. It's just like kind of the movements of it are not they're still working those kinks out on the movements of characters, especially like walking and just basic, just basic like lightsaber moves at times look very out of place. But I feel like, and I feel like they've made up for it a little bit with camera work. Like it's gotten a little bit more cinematic and they're starting to do like, like with Ahsoka when she was on top of that tank, it like the camera panned around her as she was doing her like badass stuff. It, mm-hmm. like, it was like they had a drone that was like filming from all angles. Um, so I feel like they're getting more creative with like that stuff, even though like the movement of the characters themselves might not be up to par yet. Yeah. I mean, it's getting better though. It's noticeably better than where we were. Um, so anyways, Obi-Wan saying, Hey, we're coming for you right now. And as soon as we get there, you have to get the hell out of there. You're in danger. You're going to get overrun. Um, she pushes back and claims Anakin told her never let up when the tinnies are on the run. Um, so already we're getting that great Anakin training of his Padawan, and she is literally like pushing back against Obi-Wan Kenobi, a literal master Jedi who is on the Jedi Council. Um, Obi-Wan says, uh, that's an order. You're putting your troops' lives in danger once again. And um, as soon as they get as soon as they arrive, you are getting on the gunship. Obi-Wan is like demanding it. At this point, Anakin arrives on the gunship and he's like, where is she? And Obi-Wan says something like, well, she's following your teachings. And Anakin goes, is she winning? And Obi-Wan's like, for now. And it's like, I love how nonchalant Anakin is about this right now. To give this credit, the last episode that this type of shit started happening in, you and I were both very critical in like, what Ahsoka is disobeying orders and Anakin was immediately like, no, you need to respect authority and you need to do this. And this is like actually nuanced a little bit because he's very quietly being like, well, is she winning? Cause it's his teaching. He's making a point to say, you know, it, it, it's still him being him, but it's not completely doing away with the fact that like, Oh, she's, you know, learned from me and maybe she's picked up some bad habits. Okay. I'll give you that. He is recognizing it slightly. Um, Disagree. I I think this is a much better approach than the last episode. I think it's kind of similar because as soon as they arrive, she's obviously not following orders still. And he has them park the ship directly in front of her and says, Hey, get in here, asshole. Like, you you know, I took that. So I took that as Anakin actually like figuring stuff out a little bit and being like, okay, if I were to disobey my superior, like what should my superior do? Like Anakin is like figuring out how he would manage himself. Okay. At least that's what I'm taking from it. Let's say Obi-Wan is is way too like classically trained to like manage Anakin in a way that he should be managed. 
But Anakin is now kind of managing Ahsoka the way that he thinks he should be managed. I could be reading way too much. I, 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 my whole thought is if Obi-Wan wasn't with them there, God knows what Anakin would have decided to do. Yes. Just saying. I think he might have been like, yeah, let's fight more. You know, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> we'll never know because Obi-Wan was there and he deferred to Obi-Wan. And I've switched. So I thought... I thought for the first like two and a half seasons, I would be having to talk you into liking Ahsoka. But now it sounds like I'm going to have to play the role of talking you into giving Anakin more credit than he's due. He killed an entire village. Moving on. <laughs> he, dude, no matter what he does, like, I will always go back to that because I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Sorry, in my assessment of him as a character, I think it's fair to take that into account. I think it is. It's the same character. Granted, it's a different, you know, it's not It's not the prequels, it's not the movies, but it's the continuation of that. So why isn't what he did two years ago where he literally slaughtered a bunch of innocents and I think he's just an absolute punk shithead because that's how he's always acted in anything I've ever seen of him. Why? I think that's valid. And until he proves something great to me, which none of the stuff he's done, like, yeah, we're showing maybe little signs of growth with how he handles his Padawan. But generally as a whole, like... He's done Whoa. nothing for me. He's done nothing but be great. He may be he may be a dickhead, and we we all know where he's coming from. But I mean, you can still appreciate some things in there. It doesn't discredit everything. I, I readily admitted in that last episode that, like, holy shit, he's actually maybe learning something about how to handle a Padawan. I and said that. I agree. I agree with you. He still sucks. So I'm, yeah, not, I'm not trying to say that he's amazing for this one move. Yeah. I'm just saying the writers and the animators are starting to do a better job. I'm just saying when he took out the Padawans at the temple and the younglings, it was just kind of like, wow, what do you know? Hey, you know, it was to it be hasn't happened yet. We got a, we got a little ways to go. Hey, fine. All right. I, I have no idea what happens five years from now. Anyways. <laughs> Um, so they arrive and they literally, like, she's not responding to them. So Anakin like tells them to park the gunship right in front of her. And so they park the gunship right in front of her and her troops. And he's like, he hops out. He's like, get the hell in here. You're about to get overrun. You don't see it. So finally she acquiesces. She hops in the gunship. And as they're taking off, like a huge wave of droids come and it proves yeah, Obi-Wan's point. You can like, see that they are completely surrounded from the backside. Yeah. And she had it, no it was idea. over. Like she wouldn't have lasted another two minutes. So Obi-Wan really saved her ass here. And Obi-Wan was completely right with his orders. Um, also, th there were a couple of shots. Like he doesn't say anything. So like, but there were a couple of kick-ass Rex shots in there. So he was part of the battle. Yeah. Rex. Um, I did mention Rex was like, Hey, let's get out of here. Rex rules. Yeah. Um, not much Rex outside of that in this episode, but we did see a brief Rex. Um, so they're off Fallujah. They escape. Um, and the next scene we got is back on Coruscant. We haven't been in the Jedi Temple in a while, but we are in the Jedi Temple here. And we are in the council room. And Ahsoka is basically being questioned. It's like some sort of inquiry into what had happened on Fallujah. Um, basically, the issue here is she disobeyed a direct order. Um, they asked if she wanted to confirm um, Obi-Wan's account of what happened. She does confirm that. She admits fault in it. She said, uh, you know, she got too caught up in the victory in the battle and she thought she had them on the ropes. Um, Anakin takes a little bit of the blame too. He's like, this is my fault, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I'm responsible for her and stuff like that. So, hey, you know, I 
Sure, let's give him credit. He's starting to trying. be a little bit more nuanced. And he's also, trying a little bit. This was the scene where I realized that all of the things started looking like cakes done by Cake Boss. Like this is a very fondenty looking yeah. scene. Like, like I, I think Obi Wan's beard would probably taste pretty good. Right? <laughs> if you look at Ahsoka's eyelashes, like they could cut glass. Yeah. They have such sharp edges to them, but yeah. it is all done beautifully. And yeah, no, it's it's getting better. Um, Ahsoka costume update, still wearing the tube top. Uh, still so. with the tube top. <laughs> I'm sure as soon as George Lucas is God. off his consultant role, it's gone immediately. I think it's the next season. She gets an outfit change and it's a thousand times better. Can you just imagine George Lucas in like the production meetings for this show? And like he's just <laughs> dying on the hill of tube tops. That's all he's adding to it at all. And Dave Filoni is just doing everything else in regards to the story. I could just see it. <laughs> I'm picturing the consulting meeting for this episode and George George Lucas wanting to put Jocasta New in like a bikini but Dave <laughs> Filoni was like no 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 George George that's not gonna work and George, George like, she's no, 600 think, years old <laughs> I think Jocasta New would look good if she were a hot babe in a bikini <laughs> <laughs> oh okay um yeah I mean we're, we're definitely gonna have to have like some sort of episode but there's all these things, these themes that we keep going he back is, to. He is, and I've been listening to our old episodes. Both of us are just baffled by him as a human being. Oh, it's he, it's is, he is such a confounding character. It's literally insane. Like he, I, we don't need to get into it. I mean, if you've been listening to the show, we've talked about it before. We're 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 baffled. We're not sure if he's a genius or insane. We don't know. <laughs> He's interesting. We'll just call him that. He's interesting. And he made a cool little universe. Moving on. Um, so basically, the way they're going to punish her is they're going to take her off the front lines for a while, and they're putting her in the Jedi archives. She's going to act as security in the archives. And I got super fucking hyped when they did this. Because my favorite shit in the Star Wars universe is, like, lore. And, like, that's what I love so much about the Darth Bane book. Because Darth Bane, he's on Korriban, and he goes to, like, he goes to the Sith graves and then he goes to Rakata and he goes to the Sith temple there and like all this stuff. And that's what I find to be the coolest stuff. Yep. Um, so like I just wrote down like, hey, this isn't even a punishment. This is the best fucking job ever. This job. Yeah. I would be reading oh, yeah. all that shit all day long. Like I would eat that shit up. It's like the backup quarterback of the Jedi is somebody that's working security in the Jedi archives <laughs> in the temple. It's like you're getting the, it, a backup quarterback is the most mint job in the NFL because all you do is hold a clipboard and get paid like $600,000 a year, 2 million, something, you know I mean? You're getting paid very well to just stand there. Basically. That's all you do. Play a couple of preseason games and call it a day. Yeah. You go out in a preseason, you throw a couple passes, you hand the ball off a few times. And then assuming everything goes to plan, you don't, all you do is hold a clipboard for yeah, if four you ask months. Any, if you ask anyone, what person in the NFL they would want to be. Ultimately, everybody is going to say Matt Castle. Yes, Matt Castle probably made like $40 million in his career. And for the most part, he just stood around. Like he did have to play a little bit. Anything now? This is my, I'm very impressed with Dude, I would not be shocked if Matt Castle is still in the league as like a backup somewhere. Like <laughs> if you look up like a guy by the name... Like Jim Sorge, for example, he was Peyton Manning's backup, right? I think he played like one game his entire career, but he was employed for 10 years, probably by the end, making like two, three million dollars a year to stand there. 
or like Chase Daniel. That's another guy who's been a backup forever. Well, um, and so and that's what, so Jocasta knew. I think if you were on Coruscant in this golden age of Jedi, I think what you're getting at is like, you would want the Jocasta new role. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's clarify really quick. Cause uh, all we've talked about is Ahsoka. Jocasta knew, Madam Jocasta knew she is the Jedi. That's basically the librarian of the archives, right? Yep. Um, and she kind of looks like Palpatine's mom. Um, <laughs> she's, she has a striking resemblance in her hawkish character features as Palpatine, correct? I mean, I think so. Well, yes, but in, so in she is, so she's just considered the librarian of the Jedi archives, but she is legitimately a Jedi master. Like she yes. has reached the rank of master. She is skilled with a lightsaber. She's gone through all of the like Jedi pre prerequisites. Yeah. She can like do mind tricks and all of that shit, but she's just like not interested in doing the soldier type stuff. She wants to sit in the library and archive stuff and like yeah. gain knowledge. So it yeah. sounds like that's like And like knowledge for Jedi and Sith, knowledge, something of that line in that line of things. When you think of a Jedi and Sith, so often people think of the power that goes with it the lightsaber skills and all these things like knowledge is every bit as important as lightsaber skills or, you know, like all these things like knowledge is everything to both these orders. And that's one thing I learned about like the Darth Bane book and the Plagueis book, like having a deep knowledge of the history is one of the keys to like being in tune with the force. Like it's extremely important to know where you come from. Um, and so like, it's not to be frowned upon in that at all. That's where I start to like, I start to play with my own predilections. Like, so I am, I've always been like super curious about everything. So I will like, I've learned a little bit about a lot of things, but I've always been like kind of jealous of the people that are just like, nope, there's one thing and I'm going to learn everything about it. And it seems like that's where the Jedi and the Sith are are like they have a very deep deep knowledge of very specific things but the people in the in the middle ground is where i would want to play with and i don't know where that would leave me in the jedi order um well they kind of touch on that in the darth bane book what the middle ground is because there's a battle going on on this planet uh rulon or rustan i believe i can't remember the exact planet name but it's where most of the battles take place in this book and there's such a, a you know, a, a gathering of dark side and light side. And there's so much anger and battle going on and stuff that uh, when Bane arrives, he remarks like, I, you know, there's the force is strong here, but it's like this weird mix. It's like a graying. Like, it's like the force has combined, the dark and the light have combined and butted heads so much on this planet that it's like, it's a middle ground of sorts when he arrives. He's like, I can't tell. You know, you know, you you talk about like down in Dagobah, like Yoda's cave where, you know, it's strong, really strong in the dark side in there. And he sends Luke in there. Remember that? And Luke checks yep. it out. So there are places that are stronger in the light or stronger in the dark. I mean, they reference it multiple times in the movies with Ray, um, you know, when she goes down to that uh, cave on Luke's little planet, you know, and just all that stuff. Like there's just places that are strong with certain areas of the force. But the on this planet it was really cool because like they've combined so much force energy there between the dark and the light that it's just like this graying of the area. And it's this weird, like muddled thing. 
Very strange. Yeah, and that's one that's like something that we'll probably get into later too. Is there's something in the Star Wars like mythos called like the, a gray Jedi or something? A gray like that, right? Jedi, and I've I've read certain things that have said that like gray Jedi are bullshit. Um, it's just something that like people made up on the internet. But then I've also read other things that were like, oh no no no, if you look at X Y and Z, I mean the book I just read like, in this literally evidence, like flirts with that idea yeah. you know it doesn't outright say it but if you're, if you're using the term graying of the force when they're kind of just overlapping each other that leads me to believe the possibility of a gray jedi sith hybrid yep possible um but then again it's a legends not a canon book anymore right so who the fuck knows but it's a great book check it out darth bane yeah let's give him a general Okay, so god damn dude, we are we're way behind. We're like <laughs> we're only five minutes into this episode. You wanna <laughs> should, yeah. Should we talk about Neom some more? <laughs> <laughs> um so anyways, uh Ahsoka is introduced to Madame uh Nua Jocastanu. 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 She's the librarian slash, but she is a Jedi. She looks like Palpatine's mom. Anyways. She gives Ahsoka a little tour and they walk by this one area and she says, oh, that's the holocron vault. All the Jedi's greatest secrets are in there. And the only way to get in there is you have to be on the Jedi Council. A Jedi Master is on the Council. Um, only the Jedi Council has access to this. And as she's saying that, we get a Kit Fisto sighting. So very oh, exciting. We get, a, we get a classic Kit Fisto smile. Yep. Yep. She, she, oh, hello, Master Fisto. And he gives her a little smile there. So Kit's going in there to check out some holocrons. We got he's got a devious brand. look on him, too. I wonder what holocron he's picking up. Huh? <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> um, after that little scene, we get to a seedy part of Coruscant. Think of uh, the desktop area. Also, they're still walking towards the vault, too. Like, it, the animation still needs to come a, a little ways because it, it looks like a robot bug walking towards the vault i feel like we started this show complaining about the animation a lot and now that we're on a new season we're focusing on the animation quite a bit (laughs) we gotta stop with that yeah i think i think it's valid because it's been a seven month good points and bad points it's like okay we we admit it's better it was it's like okay they all look like very detailed fondant and they look like very good fondant but Dude, I've heard the the word f- more than I have in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. I just knew cake bus. It looked like cake. Like Obi-Wan looks <laughs> like cake. Like his beard looks like something that you would see. Dude, I want to see a cake boss Obi-Wan like sculpt, head sculpt. You know, like. Um, I guarantee he's made one. Oh, God. Let's call the cake boss. If we ever get big, that's one of the goals. Like for our 500th episode or something, if we're also, actually. I could, talk, I could talk for 20 minutes about Paul F. Tompkins, the comedian, and his impression of the cake boss on Comedy Bang Bang, but we're already 47 minutes into this episode, and I can't do that. So okay. just Google I, cake boss Paul F. Tompkins. And I also. You'll be entertained for hours. Boss? I want to talk about Cake Boss when he, uh, I believe he got pulled over in the last year or so, and he used the line, don't you know who I am? <laughs> also, there's also a story where he was doing something and one of his hands got mangled. <laughs> no. like, something stabbed him through the hand and his hand got mangled. Oh, and God. he thought his cake making day- days were behind him. 
I can just see him just devastated in his kitchen, just oh my sitting God. in the darkness <laughs> at three in the morning, just tears running down we his face. Stop. We gotta, we gotta move. I'm on. not the cake boss anymore. His wife comes in, he just screams and throws a bottle at the wall. Okay. Um. Anyways, next scene. We're in a seedy part of Coruscant. Think of the part of Coruscant, um, like the Death Sticks when Obi Wan and uh, Anakin are chasing after Padme's would be assassin in Attack of the Clones. Start that. So we're in the lower part of Coruscant where like all the seedy figures hang out. Um, and we get to this dark room and there's this bounty hunter that's speaking with Darth Sidious um, on a hollow. Um, he looks like a cowboy of sorts, like an alien cowboy. He's got um, a good look. He's got a big old fedora on. Um, it's and... not a fedora. It's like a wide brimmed. He's got like a Shao Kahn hat. Oh, yeah, from... not a fedora. Sorry. It's um, it, think of like a giant Indy, Indiana Jones hat. Very giant Indiana well, Jones. Well, the Indiana Jones has a fedora, but it's just got a much rounder, wider. Yeah, brim. that's what it is. It's like a round, wide, a wide brim fedora, like a sombrero yeah, wide. It's very large. He has a big old hat. We'll just put it that way. Um, basically, Sidious is telling this bounty hunter that he needs a Jedi holocron, and the, the bounty hunter is like, uh, "Those are all in the Jedi Temple. Uh, that's impossible." Um, Sidious is like, hey, I can get you whatever you want, and I can even get you in the temple, and I can get you some special information. So he agrees. Um, we get back really quick after that quick scene. Uh, we get back to the Jedi Temple. Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Anakin are discussing various strategy in the war, and all of a sudden, Yoda just kind of grunts. And you, you, if one didn't hear anything after that, they would just assume Yoda yeah. had a I feel like... I feel like you're rushing now that we're 45 minutes into what? this thing. Well, you just went over the first introduction of this new character, Cad Bane. Yeah, but we're going to get right back to him. All right. Okay, go ahead. So anyways, Yoda ate Taco Bell and he has indigestion. But that indigestion <laughs> is coming That indigestion is coming in the form of a premonition about something bad is about to happen at the temple. He's feeling the dark side. Someone's going to try to get into the temple. So we get back then to our bounty hunter. Now we'll talk about him a little bit more. In depth. Okay. Um, we find out his name is Bane, and he has a little droid that's named Toto360. Um, Adam, what can you tell us about Bane? Did you look up Bane at all for this episode? Do you got yeah. any information on Bane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cad Bane is a bounty hunter, and he's one of the best bounty hunters in the galaxy. He has a very good reputation, which is why I'm assuming uh, Palpatine reaches out to him for this job. Um, he's also for people that haven't seen the episode, he is a Duros. That's his species. Um, and you have seen them before in a new hope. There are a couple of Duros, like just shooting the shit in the cantina. Um, they're kind of giant gray or uh, giant blue skinned aliens with red eyes. They look like the gray, the classic gray alien from like our mythos. Um, but I just love his motif. He doesn't got a nose. He's big and blue and got red eyes. And he's got a weird kind of like rebreather thing that seems like a voice box. Yeah. So he's got kind of a cool, uh, like a Darth Vader style reverb going he's on. He's got like the voice effect they use on him. I really, really dig. Like he's speaking like the common English, but it's in a very kind of like crackly kind of way. Um, yeah. We might put a sample in of that right here. Who's that? Ola Rapal, Jedi out in the mid rim. We going after him? Soon. 
right now we're stealing a holocron. Also, so in I haven't been able to find anything to confirm this, but I have a suspicion that like the Duro speak their own language, and he is the reason for Cad Bane's like weird kind of crackly voice is he's using some kind of like translating device. This is all speculation, but I have a feeling based on so the Duro that we see in the Cantina in A New Hope. They have a very like unique sound to their language, and you will hear that right here. And Bane sounds completely different, and he speaks English very well. So that leads me to believe that there's some kind of like mechanical device that's doing the translating. Do you need me to add any more footnotes of fucking audio that I got to add in? <laughs> <laughs> I'll find it. I can send the clips to you. But that's, I, I haven't I'm done saying, that. I haven't I'm, done that to you in a couple of episodes. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I'm just going to wait until you're done talking for about 30 seconds so I know it's safe to move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so Toto 360 is Bane's droid. Um, they're kind of having a little back and forth. They like to bicker with each other. Um, very much like Grievous and his friendly droid back in Grievous' Slayer. It is shockingly similar yeah, to those two. I think whoever the writer was that worked on that dialogue in the Grievous Slayer episode is the same writer that worked on this dialogue because well, it is cut from the same you, cloth. Do you recognize the uh, the voice of Toto, the droid? Uh, it's, God, he's like a... Oh, man, it's like... um, I mean... It's, I'd probably, he's very upbeat. Gosh, who is somebody that he reminds me of? Who is it? So, and it's very much like he's putting on a character, but it's, it's, it's Seth Green. Oh, it is? Yeah. Seth Green's voicing Toto. All right. Um, Toto's a real excitable guy. He's, um, he bickers quite a bit with his master Bane. Uh, Bane is kind of begrudgingly annoyed with them. It's like L and Peg Bundy is the kind of the vibe I got from them. Like, oh, God, I old ball like, and chain. I feel like Grievous and his droid had a very, like, a contentious relationship, but there was some mutual respect there. And I, I don't feel the mutual respect here with the Cad Bane in yeah. total relationship. And you'll like find out later, like... Side. Uh, when we first get this scene here, like he's working on the Toto 360 and he's putting some sort of chip into him that you see. And we'll get to that later on. But it's a little bit of foreshadowing there. Now, yeah, like he definitely doesn't have as good of a vibe with um, his droid as Grievous had with his. Um, but uh, after he gets done working on the Toto 360, there's a knock on the door. There's some more bickering because he's like, go get the door, Toto. And Toto's like, I'm not a service droid. And he's like, just do what I say. You are what it, you are what I say you are. Um, so Toto goes and gets to the door and we have uh, another bounty hunter that shows up by the name of Kato. And Kato is wearing like a weird bug helmet at first. But then when she takes the helmet off, she's a changeling. Um, and she's the same type of changeling that we saw in Attack of the Clones. Um, so is it the same one? It might even be the same one. I don't know. No, because no, this is I taking place. This is taking place after Attack. Oh, of the that's Clones. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Anakin slaughtered the uh, sand people already. Um, yes. Just any chance I get to drop that. Um, but I would think like, so the species is the Claudite or Claudette. 
The um, interesting thing about them, there's two types of changelings in the Star Wars universe. There are the Claudites, um, which is um, the ones that we are used to seeing in Attack of the Clones. Um and now in this, um, but there's also what's called the Shiido, Shiido, I believe it's called. Um, and they are actually much more effective changelings. Um, and they make an appearance in the Plagueis book. Um, one of the um, secret apprentices that Tenebris had under Plagueis' nose was a Shiido. Um, and he tracks the Shiido down. And they go into a little bit of detail about the difference between the Shiido and um, the Claudites. Um, the Shiido actually are able to maintain a hold on their form for much longer, whereas a Claudite can only hold it for so long. And, and you'll notice in this episode, whenever she morphs into somebody new, she kind of, there's some like glitching going on. Did you notice that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's because she can, it takes a lot of effort for them to hold that form. And that's why that's happening. Fun fact. Interesting. Okay. Um, anyways, you, re you reading these EU books is going to be the best thing that ever happened to this podcast. I know it really is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but when you get to that chapter in the, uh, the Plagueis book, dude, I mean, it's really cool. It's a, it's one of the cooler chapters. Um, so anyways, uh, back to the episode, um, she comes in, they start discussing plans on how to get the holocron. She's basically like, um, Bane's go-to partner, I guess we could say. Um, they're discussing like the maps that they received from Sidious, security measures that have been provided by Sidious and blah, blah, blah. Um, they say Toto 360 will actually be able to disarm many of these things. So Toad is going to accompany them. Um, and then she's like, hey, well, how the fuck are we even going to get in there? It's in the Jedi Temple. And he's like, oh, and all of a sudden they reveal this dead Jedi that's just sitting on the fucking lazy boy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, you don't even see him at all for this, like, five-minute scene right until the end. And they're like, oh, yeah, here's um, here's Ord Innocence is his name. And he's this Jedi that's just dead. This Jedi Master that was killed, apparently, I'm assuming, by Bane. Um, and he's just, his corpse is just laying there on this Barca lounger. <laughs> and so, um, Kato, the changeling, goes over there, touches him. And next thing you know, she transforms into or innocence and has his voice and everything. So that's how they're going to get in. Um, she is going to go in there and provide some much needed information undercover for Bane and Toto 360. Um, any thoughts on that scene? It's just like, it's a really interesting reveal. Like, Oh, there's a dead corpse there and it happens to be a Jedi. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. I same exact thoughts. Like there was like, no foreshadowing. It was just like, oh no. yeah, there's a dead it's Jedi. Like, oh yeah, by the way, we got that here. And it, it's really funny too because I mean, they, she had walked right in the room, and when she walked in, like she must have seen the corpse there. You know, it's like, not exactly like he's blending into the background. No, he's I mean, over in a chair. He's this large <laughs> ass mass of a corpse. You know, like this. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, so. She takes his form. She's going to be sneaking into the temple and guiding um, Bane and Toto 360's little voyage. Um, also, I don't know if it happens to be like part of the mythos or whatever of the uh, the Claudite people and how they like do their changing, but she happens to like touch his hand and that's yeah. when she's able to change. Like, I don't know if the Bane. Yeah, it's not like uh, it didn't go into that. Um, okay. But yeah, it, from this scene, you can assume basically that she has to touch the being to be able to take their form, I guess. Um, or maybe it makes it easier. 
Yeah, might, maybe. Um, God, right here too, I noted like Bane's voice is awesome. Cad Bane's voice and what they did with it is just like, I really liked it. Yeah, and he's got the best pair of chompers that we've seen this far. In- he's like stylized very cool. Like they did, yeah. whoever came up with like his character and he's chopping on a toothpick for like 80% of the show too. And it's nice to see that, like, even in such an advanced universe as Star Wars, like, still a small wooden spear is the thing that they use to, like, get food out of their teeth. Yeah. Um, he, he's got that outlaw Wild West vibe to him, kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it makes I'm sense to it because Star like, Wars is like a Wild West space opera. A lot so far, the two, like, new characters that I think they've done the best job on, like, just, like, every part of the character's, like, motif is just, like, knocked out of the ballpark <clears throat> has been Cad Bane and Hondo. Like, Hondo Onaka and Cad Bane so far are the two characters in Clone Wars that we haven't seen before and are completely unique, like, have their own yep. motif, and is, like, I am just on board with. Yeah, I mean, they, they are unique, and that's what's so cool about them. Like, they stand out as opposed to some other characters that we've been introduced to that just kind of come off as generic throwaways. Yeah. Well, um, and also, it's cool that, like, so both of those characters, too, Hondo and Cad, are they're species that we've seen before just kind of in the background of Star Wars. And they've been able to just like take a someone of that species and like turn them into a fully fleshed out character. Yeah. And, and with, and with Bane's species here, like when you've seen them before in the Star Wars universe, you never really thought of them as like ones that would be agile, nimble, capable of the type of feats that Bane pulls off in this episode. Like they kind of struck me. The one that keeps hitting my mind is in a new hope in the cantina. Yep. And it just kind of seemed like this sluggish looking thing. Like I, you know, I just didn't expect um, his his species to be able to pull off anything of this nature. But yeah, well, the other thing, the other thing that I looked up to is like they're the the Duros. They're a very uh, ancient species. Like they they've been in the Star Wars universe for a very very long time. Um, and it said somewhere I can't remember if it's canon or legends, but it says like they are one of the first species that discovered hyperspace flight so their species is known for like being travelers like they were the ones that like established like trade routes and they were one of the first species to like interconnect a bunch of different systems um one of the things that i think is legends so it's not officially canon but one of the early planets that they colonized was nemoidia and so that's why that species and their species kind of have a similar kind of look and feel. Are you saying they had sex with each other? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's evolution. Like they're on the same branch of that tree. It's just like, the kind of split off. What do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Well, what do you know? Um, yeah, they do kind of have a similar vibe. I see that. Um, good Lord. Uh, okay, so we got introduced to uh, Toto 360. We're getting to know Bane, and we also get to know Kato a little bit, the changeling bounty hunter. So they got this grand plan. We get back to the Jedi Temple quick, and Obi-Wan and Anakin are uh, discussing strategies for securing the temple because of Yoda's premonition. 
um, and they decide to split up. Uh, I can't remember which way they go, but they go in two different directions to uh, cover ground here and try to maintain the temple. I mean, God, there's so many Jedi in the temple itself. This is such a fucking dense episode. There's so much going on. We're yeah. like an hour into this, into our episode. We're only 11 minutes into the yeah, we're like episode. We're like literally like halfway through the episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, Obi-Wan and Anakin are splitting up to different parts of the temple to kind of guard things. Um, Bane and Toto are then seen on the side of the Jedi Temple building. Um, and Ahsoka is, they cut to Ahsoka walking around guarding the archives, I guess. She's just hanging out, just vibing. Um, and who do we see? But we see um, Master Innocence. Um, but as we know, that's actually the Changeling Kato. Um, Ahsoka goes up to talk to Innocence slash Changeling. Um, and after a little bit of back and forth, finally, uh, Kato snaps at us. So he's like, fucking leave me alone. Like, shut up, kid. Like, go away. Yeah, so, the thing I love about Kato, Kato is using the term, and I've noticed other Jedi using this, Kato's using the term young one exactly the same way that I use the word dude when I come across someone that I have no fucking idea what their name is. Yeah. <laughs> when Ahsoka walks up to him and is like, oh, Master, Master Org, like, can I help you? I want to help you. And he's like, no, young one. Like, no, I don't need help. And it's like, there have been so many times where I have like come across people at events or like things for work and I have no idea what their name is and yeah. they obviously know me. And just the word dude has been the best thing that has ever happened yeah. to me. I do. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a woman, usually I remember their name. Hey, yo. <laughs> <Well. laughs> Well, what do you know? Um, but yeah, hey man, hey man, hey dude. That's a good one. When you don't know somebody, just just fall back on the hey man, hey dude. It's good. It's good. It works. Um, but yeah, so Ahsoka keeps trying to chat. I think she's bored at this point, and eventually Kato just blatantly obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kato just kind of snaps at Ahsoka, like, fucking leave me alone. Go away. I don't want your help. Um, so Kato then sits down at one of the uh computers at the public library here <laughs> and <laughs> starts accessing like the temple database and starts uh speaking with um bane and toto uh via com kind of giving them a heads up on where they he's need got, to go and stuff he's got the motorola bluetooth headset in yeah. circa 2003 yeah. headset technology still has not advanced for like <laughs> seven months um but uh yeah so uh Basically, uh, they've identified a weak point in this outer shield that's around the temple. And uh, Toto cracks through this weak point. And next thing you know, him and Bane cut into the building and they are in uh, the HVAC system. They go in through and the ventilation shaft. One thing that I, I noticed here, too, is just like just doing the smallest things with like a Star Wars story. Like when when Kato is transmitting the data to Toto, there's just one second where Toto's eyes like flicker and they make a noise like something is like mechanically happening in his head. And just doing that one thing, that one small thing that I'm sure people behind the scenes took hours to do, like it makes such a difference. Like it makes it feel like such a more fleshed out episode than if Kato were to just say, oh, I'm uploading this data to Toto. And then it like cuts to Toto and Toto like puts his finger through the shield. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's cool. So uh, the teamwork makes the dream work. 
And with the help of Kato um, and Toto, uh, they have officially broken in to the Jedi Temple. Um, when they do that, there's this like power surge in the temple. So all the lights dim for a half a second. Um, Anakin and Obi-Wan confirmed that happened in both locations at the Rats. So um, they kind of feel like, oh, that's odd. That's out of the ordinary. Um, and then Yoda shows up quickly and says, hey, the intruders have arrived. Um, and Obi-Wan, he's kind of in this like headquarter location with Yoda. And Obi-Wan spots it at the top of the South Tower. That's where the power surge emanated from. So they believe that's where they broke in. Um, so Anakin and Obi-Wan are heading to that area to try to find the intruders. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the really cool thing so far about this is we're seeing a lot of inside shots of the temple. And we've seen so many Jedi, like, just not even that day. When we get more coming up, but they're just all over the place. And that's, like, the cool thing about being in the temple. Like, all these... Jedi that we never get to see or rarely see are all just kind of hanging out. And it's a really cool vibe. Um, yeah. And like, uh, there's a couple of scenes where like, you just see Luminara like walking by. Yeah, they're just hanging out. Like everybody's just there. <laughs> everybody's like, it's, it's just like, it's, it's the max and saved by the bell. They're all just fucking chilling. Um, so Bane and Toto, they actually head through in the vent systems and Kato's kind of guiding them. There's some fans that are going off and, um, <laughs> They're accessing. They're accessing the vault via Willy Wonka's fizzy lifting drink tunnel. Yeah, That's, it's exactly the same setting. And one of the fans turns on, and it's about to throw them into the fan above them. And so, Cato uh, quick has to deactivate it. It's very like R two in the trash compactor. Yeah. And it's yep. Like, oh god, we're almost. We're gonna die. Turn it off. Turn it off. And finally, they turn it off. Um. Right after that, though, uh, Madame Jocasta knew the librarian, the head, ar- the head archivist, um, interrupts Cato and says, hey, is, can I help you with anything, Master Eminence? You know, what's what's going on here? Blah, blah, blah. And um, immediately Cato's like, no, you don't, can't help me with anything. And then like, just like, oh, she says, uh, yeah, we're under a strict lockdown right now. There's something going on or something like that. Right. She said. Um and then right then and there, like Cato takes the opportunity to change forms again and just like knocks out um, he, new. He levels this 80 year old woman. Yes. <laughs> like shit out of her. Like it is a giant alien that looks like the Hulk that punches an 80 year old human woman in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, and it was pretty quick too. It wasn't very prompt. It's not like the Ahsoka thing where like, she kept pushing to like chat with him or anything like that. It was like, oh, just so you know, like uh, there's something big going on. We're under a strict lockdown. And he's like, oh, good to know. And then just beats the shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> like just immediately and then takes her form. So our changeling Kato is no longer looking like Master Eminence. Uh, now looks like uh, Master uh, New, uh, the head librarian. Um, we get to Anakin and Obi-Wan. Uh, they are now at the break in point on the outside of the temple. Um, Kato is back, uh, trying to disable lasers in the vaults. And it's at this point, um, that Kato communicates with Bane and Bane's like, what the fuck happened to your voice? <laughs> and Kato's like, oh, I had to change forms again. Don't worry about it. Um, it is great. Like, I feel like they did a job with like, Cad <laughs> Bane's reaction to the voice. Like what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like is legitimately like what would happen? Yeah. It's just like, wait, wait, who is this? What's going on here? And yeah, he definitely was taken aback for a second. Um, 
basically Obi-Wan and Anakin are getting really close and and Bane realizes it. They're right on his tail at this point. And so he's really pressuring Kato to knock out some of these lasers so they can get further in um, to their little adventure in the vents. Um, Kato eventually is able to disable the lasers and Bane and Toto drop in. And they're kind of in the last area right before the vault at this point. Um we get to Anakin and Obi-Wan. Uh, they're frustrated, and it seems like that uh, whoever they're chasing is staying just one step ahead of them at all time. Um, they come into Yoda, who, and this is a cool scene, because they come into Yoda, who's in, like, the headquarters, or the comm building is what they call it. And surrounding Yoda is Ayla Sakura, Kit Fisto, and Mace Windu. They're all in this comm room together, hanging out. So you get this cool scene, and, like, Ayla doesn't say anything, but they do give, like, a close-up shot of her face, like, looking concerned, and it's just... It's just I like love things like that. Like a lazy animator would have just had just Yoda talking. But yes. Like, well, this that, is, like, that's cool. It makes, it makes such a difference. Like yeah. just like they could have had just Yoda and Mace and it, that would have been like fine. But yeah. like just throwing in someone that like hasn't been in this episode yet, but like realistically you could put together the pieces and say like, Oh no, like this would be a serious thing. Like most of the Jedi would be involved in yeah. like want to know what's going on. Yes. And yeah. And it's just, it adds, it adds guff. It adds substance, yeah. you know, it brings it full circle and it makes it feel real and it makes it feel larger than a 20 minute TV show. This is the kind of stuff where it feels like Star Wars. It feels cinematic. Just seeing these little details like that, like you had mentioned with Toto and stuff. Like, there's a lot of that, and you can tell that they're starting to invest in this sort of thing. And so far, like, I I can't tell right now if it's just like, oh, this is the season premiere, so they're like trying to, yeah, I guess, really is. like start it off with a bang, or if this is just something that is going to be standard moving forward. So sure. I can't remember. Up. I mean, this is a three-story arc, I believe. I looked it up when I was looking up the air date. And I believe it's a three-story arc. So my guess would be, I think they'd bring the same heat in the next two, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Yoda, Yoda using, you know, he's very strong with force. He has a premonition that says, he says to Anakin and Obi-Wan, like, hey, these intruders are deep inside the temple at this point, and they probably are receiving inside help. Yoda just feels that something is off. Um we get back to Bane and Toto, and they're, like I said, they're in, like, the last little area beside before the vault here. Um, and um, they're kind of doing more of their bickering back and forth. Um, like, Bane is very annoyed by Toto's pace of work. It's very, like, like Bane is just like, hurry the fuck up. And, like, Toto, like, I'm trying. Man, man, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, Yoda at this point then comes into Ahsoka and says, hey, did they show how Yoda knows this or it just was he just felt it in the force? I um, think he just felt it. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't really show it specifically. But all of a sudden you get Yoda coming into Ahsoka and says, hey, someone is posing as Joe Costa in there. That is not Joe Costa. And Ahsoka's like, OK, I'll go check it out. So Ahsoka confronts the imposter Joe Costa and all of a sudden, like, sure enough, a massive lightsaber duel ensues and very cool because this is a changeling this is not a jedi but um this changeling bounty hunter kato is skilled with a lightsaber um like it's not like like they've definitely handled it they have some swordsmanship to them wouldn't you agree yeah i would but like i you can tell though like Kato is skilled with a blade but you can also tell that she's not nearly on par with ahsoka but like she's definitely playing defensive 
So one of the things that I've really, really appreciated in something like A Force Awakens, when when Rey is like first handling a lightsaber against Kylo Ren, like they, you can tell they went to lengths to demonstrate like, oh, she's not experienced. Like she's doing like really wide like swings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it looks like Kato has a little bit more experience. I can't tell if that's just like, from her past, like, yeah. killing experiences and, like, just shit from being a bounty hunter, or if it's just, like, no, let's just make it look like a cool lightsaber duel. Yeah. I would assume a bounty hunter probably has yeah. some experience with a, a sword but or it a is, vibro, it is, like a vibro blade or something. It's a similar weapon, you know? It is, it is cool to see, like, someone that you know doesn't have experience using something that's like, oh, no, it's obvious they don't have experience. Yeah, I mean... She's competent, but she's definitely on the defensive and starts to run away from Ahsoka because she doesn't really stand a chance against Ahsoka, who, as we all know, has a very unique style and is an absolute beast. Well, and I don't know if it's on purpose, but they did do things like Ahsoka is, it almost looks like she's showing off at certain parts, like she's running up on desks. There's a part where she like rolls over uh, like Kato's back and like she's doing some like weird tricks. I don't know if that was intentional, but it almost looks like Ahsoka is like realizing that she's like besting this person and she's just showing off at that point. And she's, you know, and it kind of plays back to the start of the episode. She's like a cocky overconfident. Yep. Um, She's trained by Anakin. And if there's anything you learn in Star Wars, especially in duels and battles, it's like, don't ever be overconfident. Don't ever, because it always bites you in the ass. Does not bite her in the ass here. Um, <laughs> but generally, when you get overconfident, bad things happen in the Star Wars universe, especially when you're fighting somebody heads up. Um, but anyways, um, basically, Kato starts to run away from Ahsoka. Ahsoka is getting the upper hand. Uh, Ahsoka trips her with the force and Kato then reveals like Kato's dead to rights and reveals her true self. Um, so she no longer looks uh, like our librarian Palpatine's mom. Um <laughs> So um, we get more Bane annoyance with Toto's pace. They bicker with each other some more. Uh, Ahsoka comes into Anakin and Obi-Wan and says they are going into the Holocron vault. She's interrogated Kato a little bit here and gets that information. Um, Now, Bane kind of shows off his chops here. Bane pulls a really smooth one. Um, Bane, after they are about to break into the vault, he tells Toto, hey, I need you to go to the comm center. And Toto's like, that's surrounded by Jedi. That's where like Yoda and all of them are. Why would I go there? You know, and, and Bane's like, just do it. Go to the comm center. Um, so Toto cuts a little hole in the vent and heads for the comm center. Um, and it is at this point that uh, Bane sets off an explosive device. Um, Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of feel that explosion and they arrive. Oh. What? Well, he makes it, Toto makes it through the vent and he comes out. I'll get into it. Anakin and Obi-Wan, um, they get to this area where Toto just, uh, where, where Bane just let off the explosion and where Toto escaped to the comm center. Um, and they say, oh, right there. Like they see the cut in the wall and they're like, we got to go to the comm center or whatever. Um, Bane sneaks out of hiding and then he's able to enter the holocron vault. But, <laughs> I'm getting to it. I'm getting no, 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 not that part. Not that part. Like before that... <laughs> Toto goes down the vent. And so the whole episode, Toto has been floating around on like two, like, I don't even know what to call them. Like 
two like little hubs that he has for feet that have been operating as like hover things. And then once he gets into the vent, he takes those, fuses them together, and he's like running on a unicycle. And it's so unnecessary, but it's so entertaining to see the little droid like running on just one wheel. Yeah, he's actually a cute little guy. I kind of feel bad for him. Uh, (laughs) He's got personality. He does. He's got personality. And like when we're talking about the philosophy of droids, um, (laughs) something's coming up here that really lends uh, a lot of credence to our feeling that droids should be treated as unique individuals. Yeah, Um, they know what's going on. So. Anyways, we get um, Obi-Wan and they see this cut in the wall. They're like, oh, holy shit. He's going for the comm center. We got to go to the comm center. Um, we then get to the comm center and who comes out of the vent but Toto. And Toto is greeted by uh, Mace Windu, Yoda, blah, blah, blah. All these Jedi that are in there. And suddenly, uh, you know, he's kind of like trying to like play it up like, oh, yep, these vents look good. And he's trying to be like, I'm supposed to be in the vent. He exits. They all look at him and he goes, oh, um, Hey guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like it's like when, you know, it's the traditional getting your hand caught in the cookie jar, you know. It was like it was like Josh Gad voicing the snowman. Like it was that level of like comedic timing and like it was like watching something that was completely took me out of what we were watching, but it still made me laugh. Yeah, it was you know, it was kind of funny. I mean, <laughs> And what you know about uh, Toto 360 at this point is that's exactly how he would react to that. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, he arrives at the comm center and, you know, he's kind of like trying to talk his way out of it. And they're all just kind of looking at him like, what the hell? And then suddenly he starts beeping and Mace Windu is like, oh, crap, a bomb. And Mace just force pushes him back into the vent and closes the vent. And Toto's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, he's super scared. Like, He's he realizes he's doomed at this point and he's been bamboozled. Yeah. And so that goes back to our first little dialogue scene between him and Bane. That's the chip that Bane was putting into him. He was putting a bomb into Toto. Um, so it's kind of, it's really sad, though, because Toto like realizes like, well, this is the end of the road for me. And he is like clearly shaken by this. Clearly shaken. That's in, uh, like it further demonstrates like Bane's relationship with Toto is completely different than Grievous's relationship with his medical droid but we only got that one scene with them i could totally see grievous killing that droid at his leisure at some point Uh, i don't know i feel like there's love in that relationship but it is it's interesting to like juxtapose those two relationships with like the hardened kind of like person that's supposed to be like the bad guy just like with a droid that is obviously trying to be positioned as effeminate and like the comic relief yeah um so anyways mace pushes him into the vents and then like as he gets thrown into the vents obi-wan and anakin are walking towards there and they're like oh crap a bomb and they run off then (laughs) and suddenly like you get this clear like they show you know there's an explosion and everybody kind of feels it they don't actually show him blowing up but um toto is gone the bomb went off uh, but everybody got away in time but toto could not escape um, we then get back to the archives. Ahsoka is escorting Kato. Uh, Madame Newell wakes up. Um, and while Ahsoka's talking, you see somebody with a cloak on kind of walking by in the distance. And that happens to be Bane, who is 
grabbed the cloak from somewhere and is now just sneaking around posing as a Jedi, I guess. Um, but Ahsoka does not notice him. So Bane has grabbed the holocron and his little distraction with Toto paid off. It gave him enough time to get in there and grab it and kind of distract all the Jedi from where he actually was. Um, so he's got the holocron and he's getting the hell out of there. Um, so um, all the Jedi are now in the archives, Mace, Yoda, all of them, Anakin, Obi-Wan. And Cato suddenly decides to drop a name on him. And this is a name that we didn't discuss earlier, but it was a very brief scene when Cato first gets to Bane's room. And he's looking at a Rodian Rod yep. um, Jedi on his computer in there. And she's like, who's this? And he's like, oh, this is Bola Rapal. He's a Jedi, but he's not our target today. Today we're going after this holocron, blah, blah, blah. But apparently... That is his next target, Bola Rapal. And she tells this to Mace Windu, and Mace is like, oh, crap, that's not good. <laughs> Anakin and Obi-Wan are like, well, who's Bola Rapal? What's going on here? And basically, Bola Rapal is a Jedi, and he is the Jedi that is the keeper of what's called the Kyber Crystal. And now this Kyber Crystal is what, um, this crystal is a very special crystal, and it holds a list of every known Force-sensitive child in the galaxy. So the holocron that Bane took can be read using this crystal, and that holocron contains all of the known Force-sensitive children in the galaxy. So basically, like, the entire future of the Jedi Order um, is contained within that crystal. Like, these are that all that we have identified. important USB drive yeah. that they just lost. Like, I love how that they have this all on a single USB dongle. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you didn't back that information up anywhere. Like, obviously, you don't want him to get it. And, uh, you know, Sidious wants it for guess why. You could guess why Sidious wants it, right? But it's funny to me that, like, oh, yeah, we just keep it on this single USB dongle, you know? <laughs> this also, I, the thing that bothered me... Like, I get it that, like, Kato got caught and they're, like, moving her away. But she gave up Bane so quickly. And it's yeah. like, she could she could have, like, why not just use that information to negotiate a little bit? She, like, revealed yeah. everything right away. Yeah, and, like, she didn't give him much time to escape either. I mean, he Bane did. didn't even, Bane didn't even technically, like, screw her over like he did with no. Toto. Like, she just happened to get caught. Well, you know what they say, no honor among thieves, right? There it is. There it is. No honor among thieves. But yeah, she gives him up immediately. Um, the problem is they can't just reach out to Bowler Paul. He's out of contact uh, with the Order right now, but they believe he's somewhere in the Deveron system, which is far, far away. Um, so Anakin and Ahsoka, Anakin says, hey, Ahsoka and I are going to go find this guy. So they're going to be heading to the Deveron system. Obi-Wan, on the meantime, says he is going to search for this bounty hunter named Bane. Um, and that is where the episode ends. Like, I love how Ahsoka apparently just got out of duty, though, all of a sudden. Like, they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're probably going to be doing this a while. That wasn't also, cool. Pulled off back there. But all of a sudden, Anakin's like, I'm taking her. we get the fuck out of here. Also, this is going to sound like I'm saying this facetiously, but I honestly mean this. I do love the fact that in Star Wars, they're still able to use, like, cell phone logic the way that we do like oh we got to contact this guy oh no he's too far away like there's we're not going to get a signal to that guy we yeah. need to actually drive out there the motherfucker not have email like <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Like you think if they gave him this ultra important, he was the keeper of this crystal that holds like the. But I actually, I, I actually appreciate that. Like they just, they just haven't built any cell phone towers on that planet yet, so we can't talk to them. Just for the amount of technology and just high tech shit and the the traveling capabilities and just the in, immense amount of power, they can't communicate with a guy that's you know, like, know. down the down the old street there. Um, but yeah, so I, I found that funny. I think it, I think it's just kind of funny. Like oh, you can't email him, you know, or, you know. <laughs> it's like if okay, so let's say yeah. I mean, he gets out of contact like that. It's like why the fuck do you let him run off to the outer rim where you can't get in contact with him with like one of the most important artifacts you have? Why? <laughs> like maybe that should stay in the fucking vault to begin with. Um, but anyways, that's just a minor complaint for this episode. Uh, in general, a real delight. Let's get to our ratings. Did Bree watch this one or were you on your own? No, no, it's just me solo this time. Okay, so what do we have for IMDb this week? Holocron Heist on IMDb is rated 8.0. So that is a high IMDb. Um, I quite enjoyed this episode. I thought it was cool. I thought the shots of the temple were awesome. Uh, I like that we saw multiple Jedi and they really added to the fullness of the episode. Like it was a dense episode. Like you, you really, it kind of hits you in the face with a lot of information and stuff. It was cool. It was um, dense. It was a dense episode. God, and dare I say that's four good episodes in a row. That's no insane kidding. from where we were at the start of this. Completely unexpected. We have uh, turned a corner. And they turned it fast. I mean, we had a lot. Of- <laughs> I, I mean, for a while there, we were getting dog shit episode after dog shit episode to the point we where dog shit episodes right- that were even like remotely redeeming were like, oh, it was good. You know, like we went right from Blue Shadow Virus, like into this story. <laughs> yeah. And it's been just really overall a pleasure. So, um, man, I'm going to give it an eight. I liked it a lot. I really did. You're I liked it. I'm going to give it an eight. I mean, I gave last week a 7.5, the Rye Loth episode with Mace. And I've kind of upset myself. I think I should have done it higher in hindsight, but um, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to go with an eight on this one. I feel like we're making the same mistake in reverse. Um, Because like what you were saying last week, like things have changed. We need to like take this into consideration. I kind of took that into consideration. So with this one, I didn't want to get overzealous, and I just rated a 6.5. Ooh, wow. Just because, like, exactly what you were saying last week, I know there's probably some stuff coming up this season that's really, really good. I don't want to rank this one too high. So, but everything you said is true. Like, I loved the animation in the beginning was amazing. The Jedis just kind of in the background were super cool. I feel like I need to reassess my ratings because I feel like we're starting to deviate from each other here. Well, and we have to do, I would adjust it based on like what we've talked about, but I'm, I'm trying to stay true to my first ranking. Always look on the light side of life. All right. Light side moment of the week or the episode. Someday I'll get it. I'll get it. <laughs> um, we're both going in and out of that like crazy. Yeah. So that's just going to be a running theme. Yeah, week is a synonym for episode to us. Um, so, man, another good one. Um, I'm going to say my light side moment of the week was just the 
the presence of the Jedi in the temple and the fact that they did pay attention to that thing and they didn't cheap it. Um, they definitely like went all in on the animation for making sure that the temple felt like a lively Jedi temple. So that's my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, the presence of Jedi as like just background characters, like did not go unnoticed. That was very, very cool. Yeah. Um, in mine, like I could have probably, there were so many I could have picked, like there was so much about this episode that I love, like even the first like two minutes with Plo Koon and his fighter, like that whole battle scene on Felucia was like super, super cool. But I just thought I would go with what made me like actually laugh out loud and Seth Green's delivery of the line. Oh, hey, guys, like legitimately caught me off guard and made me laugh out loud. So that's going to be my light side moment of the week. Yeah, Toto 360, a real winner this week. A cool Toto 360 is a solid character. Like I'm I'm sad that he blew up. And we're not yeah, we're definitely to- not going to be seeing him again, though. So <laughs> <laughs> which leads into my dark side moment, actually. Um yeah, I got a true dark side moment this week. Um, so the death of Toto 360 like really highlighted something that we've been discussing on and off, which is the sentience of the droids and the fact that they're unique beings that are deserving of respect as life forms. Um, clearly, like Toto was completely aware of his mortality in that moment, and oh, he knew he was. He yeah. Knew he- and like the the lines that they give him there like oh no oh no like it's like humanity he's kind of a he's a comedic character in, in this episode but it's like, like he's acting like he just found out there's a bomb in his backpack and he's like he's trying they animated him like trying to reach for his backpack yeah as the thing blew up yeah but it just it was it was a dark moment because like wiped off the face of the earth and yeah, I mean, it was fully aware of what was going on and was not a fan of it. It wasn't just like a droid doing its duty or anything like that. Like, <laughs> yep. he definitely didn't want to bite the dust there. So that's my dark side moment of the week. Yeah. Uh, so for my dark side moment of the week, I'm going with the fact that fully animated, you see Jocasta New get punched in the face and knocked unconscious <laughs> by, by a very large alien being nothing nothing like it nothing like assaulting a senior citizen it was insane like she's a very she's a very like old woman she's animated very very much like she was in uh attack of the clones where she's a yeah. she's like an 80 year old lady and she gets punched in the face by the hulk <laughs> i like that though we got two true dark sides very nice <laughs> Yes. I like a good true dark side. No droids in this episode. I didn't even think about it. Just hit me. No battle droids. Well, in the beginning. Oh, you yeah, got a battle droids, but no like cringe whatsoever. Yeah. Okay, good point. But um mark it down. That's one of the I think that's like the second one where it just hit me like, oh, we didn't have to deal with the droids. Only two or three episodes with no droid cringe. Are you sure you don't want to up that to like a seven? Sure? <laughs> yeah. I would, but I'm. I'll try to stay true. I've changed my rating too many times so far. All right, fair enough. Oh come on, thing, work! <laughs> oh, they are getting a letter. Okay, 
Dark Horse Hero of the Week. Um, my Dark Horse Hero of the Week is... Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Um, I'm going to have to go with... Kit Fisto, just for that one... <laughs> I mean, I could go with the Toto 360, but I already used him for my dark side moment, and I have expressed some <clears throat> positive sentiments toward him already. So I'm going to go with the Kit Fisto. Uh, you see him briefly a couple times, but the one scene where he's going into the Holocron vault and... Um, he just always flashes that smile. Yeah, he's he gives like this devilish look like, brain. yeah, I'm going in here to look at porn. Is <laughs> <Just like, laughs> look he gives he's like yeah i'm going here to do something nasty so kit fisto uh my dark horse hero of the week who do you got uh so i went with your original inkling um total 360 everything would have been a disaster for those guys if it wouldn't have been for that guy and he got done dirty so i feel bad for him um but yeah he he really is the one that carried the mission for those guys yes um toto was a great character but um, a lot of great characters in this episode. Very good. It's good stuff. Good episode overall. Very good. Oh, I love how that just completely cuts out. Like, it doesn't even fade. <laughs> like, what did they do to this? It was so good. Anyways. All right. What do we got for a tagline? Tagline for this episode is a lesson learned is a lesson earned. And okay. your prediction for this week was, I have a feeling we are going to get back to Ahsoka. Uh, it's going to be a Padawan learning experience. I know I say that a lot. It seems like that is what it's going to be. Ahsoka's naivete is going to get her into a sticky situation. Uh, she's going to have to learn from it. Obviously, she is going to survive, but she won't make the same mistake again. I did it. I hit it on the head. <laughs> Didn't I? I did it, right? It's pretty good. Yep. Pretty good. All I right. mean, the first five minutes of the episode and the last five minutes of the episode kind of summed up that prediction. Uh, yep. So what do we got next week? There you go. Next week is uh, overconfidence is the most dangerous form of carelessness. Oof. Oof. All right, so I think there's a bit of foreshadowing in that Ahsoka lightsaber fight with Kato. And we know that Ahsoka and Anakin are going after uh, to find the Rodian, uh, the Rodian Jedi that has the Kyber crystal. Uh, I think this is going to be three episodes that focus on the development of Ahsoka as a Jedi. So I think once again, she's going to uh, do something that gets her bit in the ass a little bit. And she has to learn a lesson. Um, so she thinks she's going to be a bit overconfident in an engagement. And that's going to cost them in their pursuit of the Kyber Crystal. All right. Bye-ya. Lock that one in. Yeah. So overall, a good one. Good one. Wow. What do you know? Wow. What the hell? What do you know? Now it's playing things wow. twice. What the hell? What do you know? <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude, this program sucks. What the hell we'll is going get, on with it? We'll get things figured out by season three. I'm really upset. Like this, you know, we had this one thing going for us here. This one, this Zencaster was really working its way 
Uh, dude, I'm pissed, dude. They fucked it up, man. This thing sucks now. We're going to have to find a new <laughs> platform. Anyways, um, I guess I have to guess uh, Palpatine voice. Yes, here. you get one clue, one clue, and then one guess. So so far, I thought we'd recap. Um, so far, we have uh, you had guessed it. You had guessed David High Pierce. It is not David High Pierce. Hmm. You had guessed Ian McDermott. It is not Ian McDermott. Um, and you had guessed. Uh, were they in Batman the Animated Series? They were not in Batman the Animated Series. And then you guessed Chris Kattan with that one. And they are not Chris Kattan. Were they on Mad TV? They were not on Mad TV. God. Oh, man. Is it Michael York? It is not Michael York. All right. I just know that he's been on the show before, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever whatever well i'll have to get it next time um adam where can they reach us they can reach us they being at, you are lovely fans yeah anyone that's listening all 12 of you could reach oh, us we're up at, we're up to 20 man we're killing it <laughs> all 12 of you could reach us at clonecastpod at gmail.com uh, next week's episode is next Twitter week and Instagram as well. Twitter and Instagram as well. Same thing. Clone cast pod. Next week's episode is called Cargo of Doom. It's season two, episode two. Uh, and we will see you next time for that one. Um, until then, may the Ram Emanuel be with you. We'll see you on Neon. You ever hear the tragedy of Christmas Day? Good night, that tonight's gonna be a good night, that tonight's gonna be a good, good night, I feel it, that tonight's gonna be a good night, that tonight's gonna be a good night, that tonight's gonna be a good, good night, I feel it, you ever hear the tragedy of Christmas Day.